0: You are listening to the Call to Action Podcast, where we aim to inspire, educate, and inform entrepreneurs and self-starters on tech and tips related to navigating this ever-changing world. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 38 of the Call to Action Podcast. I am your host, Shantae, and today we are having a fireside chat with the infamous Bambi Summers, who is both an author and an editor. But before I bring our guest on to the show today, I have an inspirational quote that I like to share. Actually, I have two inspirational quotes that I like to share. I'm actually sharing one from last episode that my guest Chelsea shared, and I really liked it. So here is the one that she shared that I said I would share. And here it is no one else is you and that is your superpower. And that came about because I like to do icebreakers and her icebreaker was about her superpower. And that is what she shared. So I like that quote. So I shared that one. And then here is the quote that I chose for this episode as well. And this is actually from Walt Disney. You may have heard this. This may be a popular one, but I like his quotes. I think they're pretty cool. So, here is the second quote that I have for the episode for today. And here it is Laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. I'm going to read that one one more time because that one is really cool. Laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams. Are forever. Again, that was from Walt Disney. If you missed episode 37 of the Call to Action podcast, as always, it is a must listen. My guest for that episode was Chelsea DeVries, who was the author of a book titled Sticks and Stones. In that episode, she shares how she used poetry to help her heal from working in a toxic work environment, Love at Disney World, and the inspiration behind her book, Sticks and Stones. Make sure to go and check it out at ctamarketing.biz. And when you're there, click on podcast on the main menu to access that podcast as well as past episodes. In the meantime, here's a clip for you to listen to from that episode. It sounds like you get to do a lot of cool things. But what has been the most fun part of being a publicist? The most fun part, um, actually, um, there's two parts that I really enjoy about the job. The first is the networking aspect of being a publicist, because I just love um, connecting and being able to relate to other people. And then the other part is um, actually doing kind of the market research where you
1: um find different strategies and tactics that are going to make um,
0: people um, respond to that person's brand or a uh, book or music album. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. That actually does sound fun. Marketing does sound fun. Um, and then also, I'm sure social media plays a big role in this. And I know we're going to go into this in, the, in another section, but um, I'm sure <laughs> using social media has helped as well with doing that, um, you know, with getting people connected with your clients and kind of keeping an ear out to what people are looking for. Again, you can hear the full episode on ctamarketing.biz. As mentioned in the intro, my guest for today's show is Bambi Summers. Bambi proves that life can get much better at any age. She cast aside a traditional outside job to try her hand at writing then finding she loved editing just as much, started an unexpected business, and is working on building it every day. So everyone, please join me in welcoming the infamous Bambi Summers to the Call to Action podcast. Hi, Bambi. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great, Shantae. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Hey Bambi, I'm excited that you are here. Your name came up on a podcast I did. I don't know how many times
1: <laughs> we called it the Bambi Summer Show.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was. Um, it was actually back to the point where it was almost embarrassing to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they just showed oh, you so man. much love. They showed do? you
1: right. They just showed you so much <laughs> love. <laughs> they did, and and I love it. You know they're. Two of two of the people that were on your show that day, which was um, Sinead and Ethan, are both clients of mine and friends. And so, yeah, when they started talking about me, I just went, oh, no. And then they didn't stop. I was hoping you would stop them.
0: Oh no! I let them go on. I was enjoying it too. I was like, "Who is this baby?" No, I knew who you were already. I I hadn't had you on the show before, but I was like, "I'm gonna get her on the show." So, oh, I
1: know you and I have been friends on Twitter for a long time.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm so glad. Really, and this is funny. I love when we had our first conversation. I was like, it's felt like I was talking to an old friend." <laughs> I really did. It's true. I, I know I felt the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah and so that's funny. great. Yes, yes. No, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So Bambi, now, you know, you've probably heard some past episodes and you know, I like to have fun and I do an icebreaker because it allows people to get to know you. So for today's icebreaker, why don't you share your favorite decade with us?
1: Okay. You know, that is so hard because I have lived through many decades. And I would say the, you know, I I have to kind of answer it a little bit differently. I like the 60s, 70s and 80s. And I think the reason that I like to lump them together is because they all were, they all changed us so much. But I think the biggest thing was um, music. Music has always been a huge part of my life. And um, I was a singer for a long time and sang with bands and I've worked in recording studios. And, you know, so um, so music is a big influence and I think it influences everybody. And in the 60s, I still have to admit I swoon when Motown comes on because that's what I was raised on. And then, of course, we went into um, the Vietnam War era and then we went into the 70s. And then, of course, the 80s music is a lot of people's favorites still. And I still listen to the old stuff. So, um, and plus it was, um, I think people will look back now, young people and say, this was a time of great change because of everything that we've been going through. But it was a time of great change then too, which I lived through. And I think especially, not just for people, but especially for women, because, you know, that was when women basically Burned their bras, you know, got jobs, they became more part of society. And in, in my opinion, and my husband would roll his eyes if he heard me saying this one more time, but in my opinion, we kind of messed it up because even though women went to work and we took on all this responsibility, we didn't let any of our other responsibility go. So we basically do everything. We do our the new stuff that we took on and we do the old stuff. So, you know, that song where I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, you know, do yeah. all that stuff. We
0: mm-hmm. do.
1: But I think that that's why women are so exhausted because we didn't give anything up. Think about men and please no hate mail because I love men, but, <laughs> but think about, you know, men go to work and then they come home. And yes, men have their chores that they do, but it's not like a woman. They can do their chores and then they can be done. And women are never, ever done. And boy, do I sound like a feminist in this, but it's just kind of, you know, how I feel about it and how it is. So that's a really long answer to a very short question, I guess.
0: No, you're fine. That was interesting. I got to go back to the music part because... The '80s music and '70s music, I and really Motown. I can listen to that stuff now, and I guess I spoon to it as well when I hear it because I love that older older music. To me, oh, it just sounds so much better. Ooh, and this is not hating on any artist that's out now, but I do prefer the older music, honestly.
1: See, I do too, you know, and and you know, I I know some of the songs today and everything, but. It's not like it was then, and you don't know as many bands then and everything. I think what made everything very different was maybe MTV. MTV changed a lot. I remember the very first time MTV came on. In fact, my girlfriend had an eight-year-old son, and I would sit there and watch MTV with him, and he grew up to be a musician and he hung out with a lot of my friends, like like uh, if they were practicing when they were in bands and stuff. And, and so I think by being able to see them, you know, I can liken it to, oh God, I hate to even say this word, but the political scene. The political scene wasn't what it used to, it isn't what it used to be because everybody's on TV and the media has pretty much just screwed it all up you know, Mm -hmm. by broadcasting every little move that everybody makes. And um, I think that that happened with MTV, even though we really liked it and we really liked seeing the bands. Mm -hmm. It just changed everything by being able to see them instead of going to see them in person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think with, yeah. You know what? I think with music, like it comes out now just way too fast you don't really you don't get a chance to really enjoy the artist I don't feel I feel like if you think about when Michael Jackson albums came out how you could listen to that yes. for like a year and a half and it would still be just as good but now it's like you get an mp3 and it's done in, in three months
1: <laughs> it's true it is true yeah. And, and yeah it, it does seem that way it's um and and with the electronic music even though I appreciate when the people do it that way it's just not the same as sitting in a room, listening to a band or going to a concert. It's just not the same. But I guess nothing is meant to be the same. It's always going to change. And things, you know, some things fall to the wayside and get worse, but so much gets better. Did you ever think that we would be where we are now technologically?
0: Right. I know. You know, I'm always amazed when I'm doing these shows because I hear people's stories of what they do. And... Yeah. I mean, even with the story with <laughs> Ethan. Yes. The story the story with Ethan and um, Drew and also Shanae, how they came together and wrote a song for a book and never even had a conversation. That was all exactly. done through messaging on Twitter. <laughs>
1: and you can click in her book. If you have the ebook, you can click in that ebook and download the song. I wow. mean, my gosh, that. That was amazing. If you when I was younger, I watched Star, Star Trek. I grew up with two brothers. So <laughs> I watched Star Trek and it's so funny because even though the episodes are very hokey, if you watch them now, a lot of that stuff came true like when they would um, open up their their communication devices. You know, if you look at them, those are flip phones. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, just little stuff like that. It just blows me away sometimes. By the way, should we talk about Ethan and Shanae and Drew a little bit more? (laughs) Because they talked about me.
0: Just to get back at them for what they did. (laughs) Yes. They're going to enjoy this
1: one. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's, it's just wild how the world changes. And there's always, you know, there's always going to be people who are very negative and, and say very negative things about everything. But no matter what happens in a bad way, there is just as much good that happens with changes.
0: Bambi, I think we have a lot in common when we talk about the music and the, our enjoying of the 80s, especially for me, 70s and 80s. I know you said you like the 60s, 70s and 80s. And it's just really cool just to talk to people and, and find what you have in common with other people. I just think this is wonderful, um, especially just meeting over the internet, meeting through Twitter. It's just really cool. It is very cool. I've, I've made a lot
1: of friends. In fact, there's some that I've made um, through Twitter in real life. And there are several of us that get together once a month. and um we started out doing a critique group. We critiqued each other's work, like the first twenty pages. And now we just kind of get together and have dinner and, you know, bs and talk about our books and all this other stuff. So
0: it's great. That's great. That is great. That is great. Now, you mentioned uh, reviewing books. As you said, you do. you guys share content and let each other review, I guess, the first 20 pages of the books. Now, of course, we know that you're right. Right. So oh, yes. I understand <laughs> you have nine books published. Is that correct?
1: I do. I'm working on number 10. I'm doing I'm going to do a rom-com. So this romantic comedy is uh, I'm I'm hoping that it will kind of blow everybody away. I'm hoping that it's really funny. It's made several of my friends laugh really hard so far. So oh good.
0: I, I've got
1: I've got like a real good feeling about this one coming out.
0: Oh, good. Good. So now you got to share what inspires you to do this. What inspired you to write, Bambi?
1: This is a strange story. It was the Thanksgiving weekend of 2017, and I got an email from Simon & Schuster. And um, I had been reading romance for a couple years. I really liked it. And the the email said, would you like to enter a romance writing contest? And I thought, yeah, I think I would. You know, even though I never really thought about writing a book. And so um that was Thanksgiving weekend, so I got myself together. I started writing at the beginning of December and I wrote my first book in the month of December. And this this particular contest was going they were going to announce a winner on Valentine's Day the following year, which would have been 2018. So I wrote Justice Prevails and it was as though somebody else was writing it and my fingers were moving. I mean, it just flowed and I loved it and I didn't think that I would win, but I loved it so much. I started in January, I started learning everything I could about self-publishing versus traditional. And I also wrote book number two, which is called Phantom Rising. And then, um, Valentine's Day rolled around. Um, I didn't win, and it was no surprise to me, and I wasn't disappointed. A few days later, I published Justice Prevails. A week after that, I published Phantom Rising, and then a month, I think, after that, I published book number three, which is Remembering Riley.
0: Wow, you
1: were busy. I was, and I loved that series. I just loved it. So I went on to write... um, Firebird one and two, which is a duo, and it's kind of a spin-off duo from um the Imps trilogy from my first trilogy. And it's a rock and roll band, Firebird, and I love those two. Now it's only a duo, but I'm not saying that I won't ever go back and write more of that because I I really love the characters. They're, you know, characters get almost real to you sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's how Firebird is to me. So um so I continued to write, and then one day I was, I was on Twitter, and I was looking around. You know, I was on in the writing community, and I was just messing around, you know, chit chatting with people, and I saw an editor tell a writer to take out a loan to get their book edited, and that just sent oh. me. I really hated that. No one should have to go into debt to take out a loan to have their book edited. So no. I thought to myself, I, I think I could do that because I catch, you know, I catch everything when there's a crawl line across the TV and something's misspelled, I have a fit, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of ingrained in me. And so I went to one of my friends who was a writer and he's one of the guys that um, it's, it's Ken Biltz. And he's one of the guys that we meet with every month. And I made him a deal. I said, Ken, I want to see if, number one, I'm any good at this. And number two, do I like it? So I said, can I edit, you know, your book that you're doing right now? So he agreed. And I edited it. And I loved it. And so did he. And in fact, I've edited all three of his books. And I'll be, he said, he said, I'm his editor forever. I mean, we've just become really good friends. and. I just dearly love him, and um, so anyway, that's when I, I put myself out there, and I said, "Okay, you guys, I'm offering my editing service. I kept my price down for indies. Um, I don't intend to raise it anytime soon, and I have got clients all over the world. I've got clients not only in America, um, but I've got them in Vietnam, South Africa, Australia, you know. And wow, Bammy,
0: that's awesome. I love it.
1: I love it. And it's almost all of my clients come from Twitter. There's been a few that have come from word of mouth in my area and where I've really, you know, actually gotten to meet the author. Um, But I just, I've made some really good friends and, I just love what I do. So I don't put out books as often as I did at first, because that was when I was basically writing, you know, Mm -hmm. but now that I'm editing, my editing comes first. My clients come before my writing. And so I don't always have the time to do it. Um, But when I started editing, when I opened my business, I started it in August of 2019 by Christmas that year. So four months later, I had enough work that I was able to quit my part-time job, my outside
0: job. That is lovely. I love those stories like that. I think that is the dream to be able to work for yourself.
1: It is. And, you know, I think the biggest reason that I love it so much is because I can work whenever I want to, wherever I want to.
0: Mm -hmm. And And you know what? It's, It's different when you work for yourself because... I I do it too. So I can relate. I've been doing it for 15 years, but you can put in, or you will put in, I know for me, I don't mind putting in 12, 13 hour days if I have to working on a project because it's for me, it's for my business. And I know that what I do takes care of my home and my family. And it just, it feels different. It's a different feeling you get. Yeah, it is.
1: And, and, you know, it, because it doesn't feel like work, it doesn't feel like someone is
0: using you. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yes, (laughs) that is so true. I even
1: thought at one point, if I were to get so busy that I would actually maybe hire a couple people to edit, you know, under me. Mm -hmm. Um, But so, so far that I don't see that happening because I don't take on as much as I did at first. Um, I'm retirement age and i really don't want to work as hard as what i did when i worked for somebody else i want to have some downtime
0: uh-huh. and
1: you know i i still take care of my family and the house and do all that stuff and when covid hit um i learned i learned some different things when covid hit like my my business didn't go down for several months, but after several months, it did drop off a little bit, and it took me a while to figure out why. For one thing, writers are, I shouldn't say writers, creative people in general are very, um, like they have a lot of feelings, you know what I mean? And they yes. I think uh-huh. what happened is they got depressed. And there were a lot of writers that even though they had time to write at that time, couldn't. And the ones that could suddenly had all their kids at home. And the ones that then that could write that maybe didn't have their kids at home, well, they didn't have their jobs because COVID stopped that. And so they didn't have the money to hire an editor or anything. Uh So there were several things playing there and, um, the business has gone back up now. I think people have gotten used to this since it's been a year and a lot of people are back to work. Yes, yes.
0: Yeah, that's interesting how you bring that up about people being, or creative people being, I find it like they're in touch, you know, with their inner selves. So, because they're, they're channeling, you know, the books. And when I talk to some writers, it's like, like you said, like it just flow through your fingers. It's like, it's flowing through you and it's coming out into your computer or whatever you're typing it on. Um, just for you to share with the world, I think it's so cool. I just love hearing stories like that. Maybe I'm in touch as well. I I just love hearing stories. <laughs> well,
1: I well, you love know, well, that. You have, be, you have to be creative in order to do what you do. Just doing the podcast, you've got to. Yeah, you've got to be able to relate and everything. And and you know, there's this saying about writers about how we we don't actually write with a pen; we bleed onto the page. You know, and it's it's kind of like my sister's an artist, and when she paints a painting and she's won lots of awards and everything. So she's very good. But when she paints something that is deep in her heart and, or she sees anger in it or something like that, it's almost as though she feels that you're seeing her naked, you know, you're seeing into her soul and you're seeing her naked. And so it's almost like we all feel judged.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's um, when I was talking to Chelsea in the last uh, episode, she did poetry and she was talking about how she used that to heal, like I was saying before, like from being in a toxic work environment. And my question to her was like, "I, I don't know if I could be that vulnerable and just open up like that. And she said she was a little nervous, too. And she actually took a hiatus from social media when she released the book, you know, just because she was opening up about some very personal things. But yes. um, it worked out for her. She ended up, uh, I think, getting on the bestseller list in Amazon in India, which was very interesting. And um, oh, that's she can, great. yeah. And she connects with India. She was just talking about how much she loved their culture. And I just thought that's so cool because she connected with them, they connected with her, and it, it, no one's seen anyone. You know, this is all done over the internet, which is really cool. But yeah, the, the, vulnerability that it takes to be an artist is just what i'm getting at but one day oh, i don't yeah. know I, I just i don't know if i told you but i just released um an audiobook i did it like in last december i didn't tell anybody for a long time <laughs> you did i, I did think. i know i didn't tell anybody it's it sad it really did because i was like ah, a little nervous ah, you know but it's more um of a man i guess like an interactive manual guidebook type thing i like teaching you know so it's along those lines. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I was like, I had fun doing it. But then you're like, wait, other people are going to hear this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, my God. This is not
0: just you, Shantae. This is a whole audience (laughs) now.
1: Oh, I bet you were fabulous at it. And so where is this available? What's the name? Come on, give us some scoop.
0: Oh, well, I'll share it later. I'll share it later it's okay, about your okay. show. This is for you. <laughs>
1: I'll share oh it gosh, later. I, I was actually going to talk about another friend. Um if if I had hours, I would talk about all my friends and all their books and everything, but mm-hmm. going back to everybody feeling depressed growing up with, you know, in, in mental illness, anything like that. Um, I have a good friend, Dawson Emmerich, and he wrote, um, he's written two books and they are basically they're fantasies, but they're kind of, he called them poems in between. I didn't call them poems. I think they're just like little excerpts of how, of feelings and what's going on. But then the fantasies, he would have like this one character that would that would like uh, kill off or, you know, overcome these other characters and the other characters stood for what the book was talking about. Like, for instance, one character was depression. One character might have been anxiety, you know, that kind of mm. stuff. And mm. the way he wrote that was so amazing. The The first book is called Kemera, It's it's a C-H-I-M-E-R-A. And the second book is called Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. And they are free. I if they if anyone is interested, go on Twitter and um, and just ask me or ask Dawson and he will tell you where they're free because they're incredible. And to read about the pain that people feel and you can't help but relate to some of it. It's really, really deep.
0: That is good. Um, what is okay? Just I know your name on Twitter, but can you share with the audience um, how to find you on Twitter?
1: Oh sure, I am at Bambi Summers One, and Summers is S O M M E R S.
0: Okay. So everyone, when you're listening, find first follow Bambi, and then ask her about that book. And I'll be checking in with you as well. That sounds interesting. I the just what you're how you're describing how he wrote it sounds really cool. Sounds creative. It's really I cool.
1: That. And and he's, he's, uh, he's fabulous. I mean, you've got to follow him too. He's just really, really good. So yeah, if you contact me, I'll give you all that information.
0: Bambi, so what advice would you give to any upcoming or aspiring authors?
1: I think the best advice is to try to keep your feet on the ground, even if your head is in the clouds thinking that you're going to be the next number one, you know, selling author, go in with realistic expectations. Very, very few authors that I know of can make a living at this. Um, I've read many books, and most of them say it takes five years to even break even but uh, depending on what kind of uh, advertisement, promotions, anything that you do, just go in and just make sure that you know that you're not going to get rich overnight. It's not going to happen. I tell a lot of my editing clients this because I do a lot of first books and I know I know in their heart they want it to be a success and I want it to be a success for them. Mm-hmm. But being a writer, I also know that it takes so much more um, than just, you know, a little bit of advertising or a little bit of, of wordplay. I would say don't expect everything to come from your friends and family. Everybody that that you see that you say, Hey, I'm gonna be a writer, I'm gonna write this book, and they go, Oh, we can't wait, you know, we can't wait to buy it. They don't. Just mm. so you know, <laughs> they don't. And if they do, it's it's one or two books. It's not like you can pin your whole future. On that, Now, there are, you know, there are writers that make millions of dollars. Don't get me wrong. It can be done. I'm just saying that there are so many of us when when self publishing stopped being a bad word because it was a bad word when I was growing up, but it stopped being a bad word and it started being, you know, something that we could all do. Then there were so many of us who did it. It was like thousands of books coming in every day. And I liken it to trying to get your book, trying to get people to learn about your book is like being at a concert and screaming in the audience for the band to hear you. It doesn't happen, you know, they can't. And so you've got to do a lot of learning. Uh, You've got to do a lot of trial and error, but just hope for the best, but prepare for the worst.
0: That's good advice. That's very good advice. So it sounds like really just writing because you want to do it, right?
1: Uh, Yes. And and I've told people that. They say, oh, I'm done. I'm not going to do it anymore. And I said, really? Don't you love it? Well, yeah. Well, then why wouldn't you do it? Even if you just get a few people who read it, there's always somebody who will email you eventually or DM you or message you or something and say, oh, my God, I just read, you know, whatever the book's name is. And I, just, I loved it. It made me cry or it made me laugh or whatever it's supposed to do. But even when, when you're sitting down as a writer and you're writing your book, if you can make yourself laugh or cry, then you've got a real good handle on that. Because if you can make yourself feel that, then usually the reader will feel that, too.
0: Uh-huh. So
1: the other piece of advice that I think is very important is, you have to grab the reader immediately. And, you know, I, I think I do a fairly good job of that in my books. I like to start books with conversations because, boom, you get right into that character's head. You know, but if you do not grab that reader within the first page, maybe, you might lose them completely. Because there's so much out there and there's so much available to them that they can just put your book down and forget it. And ebooks are so cheap. And Kindle Unlimited is so cheap and they read, you read it for free for like $10 a month. You can read as many books as you want for free, as long as they're enrolled in Kindle Unlimited. And so they can read two pages and they haven't lost a thing and they can just send your book back. And the way an author gets paid is they get paid a very small percentage of a cent per page read. If someone reads your whole book, then you might get if you're lucky, you'll get a dollar, you know? Um, But the point is, is to try to get a lot of people to read your book. And then you can actually make money at that. But if someone picks up your book and it's not interesting right off the bat, and they read two pages and put it down, well, that that won't even register on the scale hardly.
0: Mm, So make sure that you
1: grab that reader.
0: Very good advice, Bambi. And that's actually good insight, yeah, on how that works um, with, you said, Amazon, Kindle Unlimited. Is that what that Kindle is?
1: Unlimited, yeah. It costs about $10 a month. Um, A lot of people I know have it, including myself. In fact, I didn't have it for a long time because I felt like I was ripping off the authors. And then I realized that a lot of authors were reading me on it. And I thought, well, maybe it's not so bad. Well, here's how I look at it now. Um, I might not make a whole lot of money, but I do have page reads every month. Um, usually it's within the thousands of page reads.
0: Oh, good. And,
1: um, and that doesn't mean thousands of dollars. That means, you know, that could mean five or ten dollars. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? it, it's not a lot of money. But yeah. those people that have Kindle Unlimited probably would not have read me at all.
0: Yeah. So it's like yeah. that's good for exposure for the author. So, okay. Yeah. So I've talked to a lot of um, self-published authors. I think pretty much everyone I've talked to on the show has been self-published, but yeah. So that's good to know. So for those who are listening, you know, just keep Bambi's points in mind, because this is actually good information that she's sharing here. (laughs) Well,
1: also, you know,
0: I I learned a lot. I learned
1: as much as I could for myself. And then suddenly I was going to have clients and I wanted them to become repeat clients. And like I told you, I really do love my clients. They have become my friends. And I try to keep up on things. I try to get as much information as I can so I can share it with them. I'm not an editor who edits their book and here you go. You're done. Goodbye. If you need me again, call me. It's... It's something that I usually keep up with them. They, you know, we'll chat. Uh, maybe I haven't heard from them in a month and I'll send them an email or they'll send me an email and we'll say, hi, how are you doing? You know, is, is um, you know, is your book published? Do you need help with this? Do you need help with that? And, and I'll try to help them with whatever I can. And if I can't help them, then I'll at least try to send them in a direction that will. It's just good customer service. You know, it's just, I just want to help. And um, I just I hope that that's why I get repeat business, because I'm getting a lot of repeat business, which is great.
0: That is always good. And I'm sure I referencing uh, when Shanae was talking about you and Ethan, just how much they love you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and
1: you know what her book and, and she knows I feel this way, so she won't mind me saying this. I'm sure her book was one of the hardest I've ever done because She started writing it quite a while ago. And so she had chapters and she started sending me just like maybe five chapters at a time or three chapters at a time or something. And so she sent me initially, I think she sent me five chapters and then she didn't send anything for a long time. So I did two or three books and then she sent me more chapters. And so my mind went uh what happened last time you know <laughs> right and, you're like three books so in to, <laughs> yes yeah. I have to go back and figure out where I was on there and um after after we did that for a while I said Sinead I'm never doing this again I love to do your books but I will never do it by chapters that was just crazy and so at the end of course though I had the whole thing and when I edit I go through a book twice And so when I went through her book the second time, it was all as one book. And so I checked it for consistency and, and, you know, that kind of thing. It's awful hard to check for plot holes when you're only doing a chapter every few months.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> if, um, if anyone wants any information, they're welcome to contact me or you know my my website has all of my editing information. It has how I work and so on and so forth. And that's Bambisummers.com. And you can go on there and there's an editing tab. You don't even have you can look at my books if you want, but there's an editing tab that you can just click on that will show you books I've done, not all of them, but ones that I've showcased on there. And um, and it will tell you how I work, how much, so on and so forth.
0: Well, that's good. And you're right. I was going to ask you about that, Bambi, <laughs> in the next segment. <laughs>
1: you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I did get carried away there.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. There's more to share in the next segment. We'll we'll get to it. It's okay. <laughs> oh gosh, oh, you're so funny. <laughs> It's all right. It's all right. All right. So now, since we're talking a little bit about, you know, uh, Amazon and things like that, let's touch a little bit on marketing. Ugh. I know. And everybody everybody has oh. their different ways of how they market their book. So what do you do with yours? The
1: only thing that I'm doing at the moment are Amazon ads. And they seem, I've been doing them for quite a long time now, months and maybe even a year or two. And they are starting to kick in for me a little bit. Not much. I don't make a lot of money. Um, but you know what? I've made money every month since I've published, which has been over two years, 18, 19, 20, over three years, over three years. I've had an income every month. It might have only been 5 $5. It might've been, you know, a lot more than that, Uh but I've had it some sort of little income every month. Now they say that it takes five years to either break even or get a little bit, you know, into the the red or into the black and get out of the red. Um, So I haven't reached that five year mark. And I don't market, a lot of my friends market with thousands of dollars in promotions. I don't have it, so I don't do it. I'm a little more conservative when that happens. I've done other marketing like Bargain Booksy and, you know, Free Booksy and all of those email kind of marketings. Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Um, The first time I did Free Booksy was in, it was in October, the year I started writing, and I had over 3,600 downloads.
0: Wow. I, I about
1: fell over. Yeah, it was huge. I expected, I was hoping for maybe 200 downloads. Oh. And I got over 3,600. And it clicks like during the day, it updates. And I'd be on the phone with my sister like every half hour. Oh my God, you should see how many now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited about it. However, my book was free mm-hmm. so it cost me i didn't make any money but i thought you know i need reviews yeah i don't know that i got any reviews over that
0: out of all people, of those downloads from
1: all of those downloads i'm not even sure if all those people even read it i think a lot of times that people on the email things you know they like free books and so their kindle is probably jam packed with free books that they probably never get to. And, you know, if you're going to get a book for free, at least review it. Yeah. It doesn't cost anything to review it. Click on that thing at the end and say, you know, gee, I kind of, I kind of liked this. You know, you don't even have to say anything big, just this was fun. Something like that. Just, uh, I just don't understand why people don't do that. And maybe they don't do that because they don't realize that that's very important to the author. But
0: having reviews, it's very important and they don't all have to be five stars. Right. It's so funny you brought that up. That was actually discussed last episode as well. And yeah, especially as a self-published or independent author, you put a lot of work into that. Everything from you like read. when I did the book, I'm, I'm doing the, the design of the cover. I edited and recorded my own audio. I upload it to the platforms, like all of that work that goes into that. You don't realize how much you're doing, but yeah, guys, it would be nice to get a, Hey, that was great or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. I mean, you know, I try to be kind about it, but it's a free book. I, I mean, I mean, if you can't even give a review for a free book, then how are we expected to really make any money at all? And, and you know, when you think about it, when you pick up a book, an ebook, whatever, that is a heck of a lot of entertainment.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hours of entertainment.
1: Yes. And, you know, That's and there's the a lot of ways put to into it.
0: Say Would that it, again, she I said, I said not to mention the time that you put into it to write the book.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's why I say, please don't think that you're going to, you know, boom, get rich quick, because that doesn't happen. There's a lot of time put into it. And most people don't do their own covers. You know, most most people get a cover designer or something like that. I do my own covers. I keep them simple. I like them that way. Um, and I've got a couple friends that are doing their own covers right now. And they're incredible. And so... Um, if I really need any help or anything, then I'm going to do that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So let me uh, ask I you this. Just,
0: oh, no, go ahead. go ahead. I
1: did want to say uh-huh. something about the editing that is is basically going to be almost a marketing thing. I guess I didn't think about it that way, but I guess so. Um, I have asked my very good friend, um, J.C. Paulson. Um, I have asked her to partner with me, and we are going to do an editing workshop. This is the first time I've talked
0: about it. Oh, um, cool. Okay. Yes. An exclusive yeah. right here on the Call to Action podcast. All right, go ahead, yeah, Mandy. Okay. <laughs> Once again. So, <laughs> I'm going to, um, I-, I wanted to do
1: this. I, I wanted this I've been seeing a lot of people on Twitter talking about how nervous they get when they open their books after their editors have them, you know, and they talk their, their joke about, you know, all these red marks and all this other stuff, but there are people who really, they are nervous. They're nervous about what their editor has done to their book. They're nervous that they're going to change their style that, you know, they're going to tell them they're horrible, you know, whatever, whatever people think editors do. Um, I don't, I don't want that to happen to my clients. I don't ever want them to feel like I'm not partnering with them. So I came up with this idea to do this editing workshop. And I don't know if if we're going to limit the number of people because I'd like to give individual attention. So it might be very limited at first. Mm -hmm. But I will be putting on Twitter uh, when and where it's going to be a Zoom thing. And when and where, and it's going to be in May, probably second week or so, I asked uh, Joanne, um, you know, J.C. Paulson to partner uh-huh. with me because she she and I are very good friends and we work differently, but our end result is the same. We want to, we want these people to have the best book that they can. She has a completely different education than I do. Um And she's just fabulous. So this will give people who join us two different points of view on editing. We're going to talk about how we edit. We're going to give tips on what the writer can do for their editor before they give it, give the book over. And we're going to answer questions because editing seems to be this big, mysterious monster that comes after them, you know, and it's it's really not. I think if you ask any of my clients, they would tell you that um, that I, I I encourage, I don't discourage, you know. And I when an editor does your book, it is ultimately the writers the writers they the writers say whether they're going to accept or reject that edit that change. It's always their choice. You know, editors don't come in and say, you have to do this and this. An editor does that to you, kick them to the curb, because that is not their job.
0: Okay, so you all just, you make recommendations and say, okay, I would suggest you say this like this, as opposed to like this, and then here's the reason. Do you all give a reason why, or is it just, okay? Uh, Yes, I, I
1: do. However, there are times when I'll just change something, but I use track changes, and track changes you accept or you reject each one. So you can go on there and you can see what I've changed. And, you know, I cross out what they've done and I put what I've done, you know, put what I want, Mm -hmm. and then they can read that and they can either accept what I've done or they can reject it. And it goes back to what they originally did. But then there's this place in the margin where you can put all of your suggestions. And um, as a matter of fact, um, one of my clients, Susan Rossini, she and I laugh and talk about how We feel like we we're sitting there with each other because she has become such a good friend of mine, and I love doing her books. And um, I'm I'm doing her fourth book as we speak, as a matter of fact. And I'll put something in in the margin that will say, you know, are you crazy? Are you sure you want to say it this way? You know, and so (laughs) you get you guys guys are really close. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We're really close. Yeah, and so um, you know, she gets it, and she she says i make her books better which is great you know i just love it so so i just think that giving your book to an editor should be an exciting time when you're sharing something with a partner who's going to make help you make your book the best it can be so so watch for that editors workshop and i'm hoping that just by talking about it that people are going to be going yeah i, I want in i want in you know because If you, you, if you have a question, you can always, always DM me or email me or whatever, you know, however you can get a hold of me, because even if you're not a client, I'm happy to answer questions.
0: That is cool. So I'll tell you what, Bambi, when you all get the information, your flyers or whatever you're going to create online to market it or to, you know, share it on Twitter, let me know because I'll definitely help with promoting that too.
1: Oh, great. Thank you so much. that will be great. Uh I told Joe, I wanted to talk about it on this. And you know, I asked her if she minded and everything. Um, I'm actually getting to go on a little vacation next week. And that's why we haven't done it yet is because I want to get the vacation done. And, you know, I've, um, I've got some other stuff I want to get done. And then boom, we're going to get right into that. And it should be really fun. And I think it will, I think it will help writers, I hope. I hope that there will be writers that come back to me and say, I love this idea. Let's, you know, are you going to do it again? And can we get farther into this and this and this? And it would be great. I I would love it.
0: That's good. Well, yeah, like I said, definitely send me the information. I will definitely promote it so that others can know about it too. Okay. Will do. Yes. Bambi, this has been a fun show. You have shared like a lot of good information for any writer. <laughs> and oh good. Yeah, for sure. Now let's get your contact information. Before we get that, your your nine books, like tell the audience where they can buy your books.
1: Okay, my books are available only on Amazon. They are in Kindle Unlimited, so they're free with that if you've got it. And um otherwise, just you can just look me up. Um just put in Bambi Summers in Amazon and they'll all come up and I've got a trilogy. um, Then I've got a duo and then I've got a four book series. And like I said, I'm working on one right now that is going to be a rom-com. So that's kind of new, even though all of my stuff has humor in it, it's, this is going to be strictly, you know, a comedy. And so, um, but yeah, everything's on Amazon. I, you can get me, uh, it, does this go all over the world, Shantae, or is this yes. just American?
0: It's all over the world. Oh, okay. And I'm going to post all your information on my website along with this podcast. So I'll okay, be getting great. links from you as well.
1: Yeah. Okay, good. Because I know that I'm also, um, they're available in Canada, the UK, Australia, mm, I, I think, I think pretty much all over the world, but I advertise in the other pla- the places that I just said.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. Well, definitely what we'll do is send me all the links to the books and right. um, I, I think I have your website. If not, send me the website. Um, okay. And then, yeah. And I'll make sure all of this is posted with this episode so they can learn more Great. about you and your services and also buy your book right from the website. So we'll definitely get that set up so it's easy to do. Great. Okay. Also, Bambi, I don't know if you shared your email address. Can you also share your email as well?
1: Yes, it's summersbambi at gmail.com. S-O-M-M-E-R-S-B-A-M-B-I at gmail.com. And I'm very good about getting back to you quickly. My response time is is good because I work from home and, you know, I'll try to get to you as soon as possible. But like I said, even if you just have um, an editing question or anything like that, you know, please reach out to me. That would I would I would love it. And you don't have to become a client. There's no obligation.
0: Awesome. That's good. That's a very good offer, too. So I'll put that on the site that you can also just ask family questions. Now, if you get a sure. bunch of emails.
1: <laughs> like, well, why, did you do, why did I say this? <laughs> What do you guys so want? I go on Twitter every now and then and I say, you know, hey, if, if you've got a question, DM me, you know, I'm okay with that.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> <Sounds> <laughs> <good>. <laughs> well, Bambi, thank you so much for being a guest on the Call to Action podcast. You are definitely a pleasure to have on the show. It was so much fun.
1: Oh, thank you. I had fun, too. I'm so glad that you asked me. Thank you.
0: Yes. Yes. It's really been a pleasure. So just I want to say thank you for for being a guest on the show. And you're super popular on Twitter. So I was like, I have the infamous Bambi Summers with me here today. <laughs> <laughs> the writing community loves you on Twitter. So just thank Aww. you again for being on my show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everyone else, before we end the show, um, as I mentioned, I did self publish a book. Um, it is called QR Codes for Beginners. And the subtitle is that learn how to go from beginner to almost, and that's in quotes, expert in less than one hour. And it's an audiobook. So it is available on my website um, on CTA Marketing.biz. And um, yeah, I have information there. You can actually listen to the a clip from the book that I recorded. So you can actually hear what you're going to get into. Um, but yeah, I had fun doing it. It's my first attempt. So I'm really excited about it. Also, i like to mention just a few of my favorite podcasters. And one is Poetic Earthlings. I love his podcasts. They are scientific, like science fiction, I should say. They're they're science fiction, really cool. Um, He's also known as York Campbell. But again, you can find him on Twitter and the writing community as Poetic Earthlings. And his podcasts are hosted on Anchor and also on his website at poeticearthlings.com. And then also, I'd like to mention WordChef Baker, who is another poet who does really, really nice poetry. So, also, check him out at Word Chef Baker. So also, one last thing. I did totally redesign the website, and I'm actually pretty proud of it. I'm excited about it. It loads faster. It looks great. I'm still making edits, but just go check it out when you get a chance at ctamarketing.biz. I also have merch available. So you can support the podcast now by buying books from the authors Also, buying the merch and then listening to the podcast. So I think that is it for today. And this concludes episode 38 of the Call to Action podcast. And for everyone, as always, remember the code. The journey begins when you take the first step. Courage, optimism, determination, and enthusiasm are the tools that will help you along the way. Until next time. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Call to Action podcast. Make sure to visit me at ctamarketing.biz. There you can find articles for entrepreneurs and self-starters on tech and tips related to navigating this ever-changing world. Until next time.